We now begin the second parak of Maseches Orla. It's a fantastic parak, 17 Mishnayas, which makes it essentially the longest parak in the whole Shas, outside of the long prakim in Pirkei Avos. And in truth, to be fair, there are two prakim of 17 Mishnayas each in Maseches Kalim, but it's big, it's big. And the topic here is the topic of ta'rovis, of mixtures, which means that Maseches Orla, parak Beis, should be the starting point for any uh, serious aspiring rabbinic student who's studying Yora Yora, um, who's learning the laws of Kasha, so to speak, etc. We're talking here about mixtures. And uh, a tarovis is a mixture, from the word ayin reish based erev, or mu'urav, to be mixed together. And it doesn't actually refer specifically to mixtures of food. Food will be our topic for this parak, and in truth, most of the time, tarovis is really focused on um, what you whether you can or cannot eat a mixture that contains foodstuffs, part of which is permitted food, heter, and part of which is forbidden, iser, forbidden foods. So, let's start at the very beginning. When the Torah forbids the eating of certain foods, whether it's pork, crustaceans, truma, miser, shani, etc., all the restricted foodstuffs, the prohibition is against eating that food, and we have a tradition that to be a bona fide act of eating, um, such that one is liable to the penalties, let's say, of, of malchus, uh, which is typically the case when it comes to eating most forbidden food, let's say pork chops, etc. One has to eat a full kazayas, an olive's amount, um, in the amount of time it takes to eat a half loaf of bread that was standard size in the time of the, of the Mishnah, called an, a, a pras. So it's called kadei achilas pras, in the amount of time it takes to eat this pras, this half loaf of bread. An olive's volume... Um, is something like around uh, 30 cc, 30 cubic centimeters, or about one fluid ounce. And the amount of time it takes to eat that uh, pras, loaf of bread, um, is around four minutes, but there actually is, truth is, there's a big range of opinions from as little as two minutes to as long as nine minutes. Um, in any case, that means that for one to be liable to having transgressed a prohibition of eating, one would have to eat, let's say, that 30 cc in somewhere between two and nine, nine minutes. And um, when you're going strictly, like, for example, if you're eating on Yom Kippur, because you have to, but you're in this borderline case where if you eat a little bit at a time, you'll be okay, um, then you'll hear one should eat that amount of food each time um, spacing out that, that kazais of food, less than a kazais of food, um, to be more than nine minutes apart. And if you're being strict, like, for example, you're eating your kazais of matzah on Pesach, you don't want to compress it to as short as possible, um, approaching that two-minute range. In any case, for one to be liable, again, for lashes or whatever the punishment is, he has to eat that kazais of all of the amount of food in that kadeachil's pras in that, say, four minutes time frame. Now, if one um, doesn't meet those two requirements, so then his act of eating is not considered to be a, a um, bona fide act of eating. It's something less than that. So if one, let's say, eats either half of a kazayas of food, or let's say he even eats one whole kazayas, but he eats it over the span of 10 minutes, so then he hasn't met the requirements, and he won't be subject to uh, whatever the consequences in the Bezdin Shalmata down here on planet Earth might be for that eating that food. The question, first of all, the Gemara considers is, is the Torah even prohibiting an act of eating that is less than that, meaning it does, does that even count as eating? You know, that actually is a machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan, Rish Lakish, and the Gemara, the Amoraim. But we pass on like Rabbi Yochanan that a, quote, chatzishior, 
which literally means a, a partial quantity, meaning eating less than the full kazayas or eating it in more than the time of, of Achilles Pras, um, is still forbidden from the Torah, meaning if one eats on Yom Kippur in any amount, he certainly is breaking the Torah, just not subject to the consequences of eating Yom Kippur. Um, and same goes if one eats a tiny, teeny, tiny taste of uh, bacon, he is certainly violating the Torah. It's not just rabbinic, but there'll be no, um, there would be no physical consequences meted out um, here on planet Earth for eating um, less than one because it's just a tiny taste of the bacon, even though one is breaking the Torah. So that means you can't eat even little bits of iser. It's prohibited. And nevertheless, we'll have the overriding principle here of a tarovas, which means if you're eating a pure piece of iser, it's forbidden from the Torah. But if you have a small bit of forbidden substance that's mixed up with other permitted substances. So there's an overriding rule um, called bitol, which means that's something like annulment, where we will say that under certain circumstances, the identity of the whole mixture gets a single halachic status, and it will go after the majority of the constituents of that mixture. So that's that rule is called bitol barov, annulment in the majority, and it's based on the Torah's Pasuk, which says, Achre Rabm Lahatos, that you will um, tend towards or lean towards or go towards the majority, um, which is understood to apply here, according to the tradition, that if you have a tarovus, you have a mixture, and that means that you've got Isser and Heter combined, and those prohibited and permitted foodstuffs that are combined, if we're talking about food, um, are combined in such a way that you can't identify the Isser anymore. It's lost in the mix. You can't pull it out. So then the whole status of that mixture will, uh, under normal circumstances or many circumstances from the Torah, be decided simply on what is the majority of the mixture. So that means, just for example, if you have uh, two kosher jelly beans and a third jelly bean gets mixed up with them, which is indistinguishable from them, but that third jelly bean is made from not kosher gelatin. So you have two kosher jelly beans and one non-kosher jelly bean, and they're, you know, you don't know which is which. They have three jelly beans on the plate. So that mixture now is a tarovis. You can't pick out which is the non-kosher one. And the jelly beans are now permitted for consumption. You could you could take one of the jelly beans and eat them, no problem. There is a question if one person could eat all three jelly beans, since we know that somewhere in there there is prohibited jelly bean. And the Ramah for Ashkenazim certainly says um, you, you may not. You should really avoid eating all of the mixture to yourself, since then you know you're eating um, is there somewhere? But putting that aside, the point is that you have a simple mixture here. We go after row, we go after the majority, and those jelly beans are permitted. Same would go with if you have three chicken legs and one of the chickens came from not proper, we chef the chicken, etc. Okay. Now, that may be the only rule that governs the halachas of Tarovas from the Torah. There is, however, a second possible um, issue, and that is the issue of what's called tam, of taste. So that means um, when you have the jelly bean example I told you before, each jelly bean is totally discrete. That is to say, when you eat one jelly bean, you're only eating that particular jelly bean, and it may indeed have originally been the tray one, but certainly if it's the kosher one, there's no portion, part, semblance, vestige, you know, or taste, for that matter, which is what we're talking about here, of the not kosher jelly bean um, with it. So if, for example you have a chalant. You're making a vegetarian chalant. And in falls the pork chop. So you'll be required to pull the pork chop out. But even after you pull the pork chop out, pork chop out, 
um, there is very possibly going to be the taste of pork still inside the chalant. The question is, does that make the chalant forbidden? Or now since you've pulled the pork chop out, and therefore for sure, for sure the majority is kosher chalant, it's potatoes and barley and not, um, there's no, there's no band, there's no piece of, of meat chalant in the, in the chalant at all anymore. So is the mixture of the chalant permitted? Minah Torah, from the Torah. So that depends upon the question of ta'am ke'ikr. Do we say that if the taste is still present, do we consider it as if the actual pork is still here? The pork molecules are obviously giving flavor and they're present, and therefore you can't say um, that the pork can be totally dis, dis, uh, disregarded. So if and if that's the case, if we do say that ta'am ke'ikr, that if you can taste it, it's like it's really here, um, is a Torah prohibition, then it may well be that even if you've pe- taken the pork chop, out, pork chop out, the total, the chalant entirely has become forbidden. Whether or not Ta'am Kikr is the case in Midoraisa from the Torah is actually a machlokus Roshonim with a number of shitas. Um, on the one extreme is Rashi, who says absolutely not. Um, that It's only rabbinic in nature. You're just concerned with rabbinic um, factors if you can just taste it. And we simply go after um, majority, if the majority um, is kosher, the whole mixture is kosher in Torah, and we don't care about taste. The taste issue is simply rabbinic. Um, at the other extreme is Rabbeinu Tam, who holds absolutely that Tam Ke'ikar. If you can taste it, it's like it's here. And that being the case, an example I gave you before, if you have a, a pork chop falls into your chalance, if you pull it out, you can still taste the pork in the mix. So then uh, Rabbeinu Tam would hold that the whole chalant is Asr now Minha Torah from the Torah, and even if you eat one kazais of potato and bean, which means you're still not eating a kazais of pork because part of what you're eating is potato and bean, um, still um, you'd be fully liable Minha Torah to Malchus, whatever the story is, that would be the case in the case of a pork chop. Um, we Ashkenazim go with Rabbeinu Tam, meaning we treat Tam Ke'ikar as, as a Torah prohibition. Okay, There are actually um, a number of shitas in the middle between Rabbeinu Tam and Rashi. I'm not going to that now here. Um, but Lahalacha, Ashkenazim certainly say Tam Ke'ikar, we go with Rabbeinu Tam, and that means if you have, Rabbeinu Tam has no relationship to the word Tam, by the way, Tam, anyway, no, not connected at all. Um, but we go with Rabbeinu Tam, uh, the Tosos, and we uh, treat Tam Ke'ikar, which means that in practice there are actually two Torah considerations when you're having a, a taro, but it's a mixture to consider whether this mixture is permitted or forbidden from the Torah. One is rov. Do you have a majority of heter here, a permitted substance? And even if you do, do you still have, do you have tam? If you have taste, then it still remains permitted from the Torah. Okay. Now, that's the backstory. When it comes to mixture tarovas across the board, there are two factors to consider that the Torahs consider um, in terms of types of mixtures. Okay? One type of mixture is called a min bimino mixture, that is when you have the same the Isser and Heter have essentially the same name. So we're talking let's say jelly beans and jelly beans. If you have uh, the kosher and not kosher jelly beans mixed up it's called a min bimino mixture one type in its same type because of jelly beans mixing with jelly beans. They're all jelly beans. Okay. The other type of mixture is called a min bisheino mino a mixture that contains um Heter of one type and Isser of a different type, meaning they have different names. So, for example, pork chops and chalant. Okay, so those are that's a minbish eno mixture. 
The other dimension to consider in mixtures is um, whether a mixture is called a yavish biyavish mixture, which literally means dry with dry together. Um, and the other op- option, other kind of the mixture, is called lach balach, um, a moist, wet thing with another moist or wet thing. But the actual truth is we're not talking about dry and wet per se. Um, the case of the jelly beans is certainly a yavish biyavish mixture because each jelly bean is discrete and dry and doesn't commingle. But lach balach, what it really means, or literally means wet into wet, it means that in every sample of isser, whenever you pull some of the mix out, you will have some of the isser in it. So that certainly if you're talking about liquids, you know, as you have your soup, and inside the soup fell some of your truma wine. So of course, since wine is a liquid and soup is a liquid, they will get mixed up pretty quickly, and any teaspoon that you take of the whole soup of the tarovas, the mixture, will contain some forbidden wine. So that's your classic lach balach. In contrast, back to the yavish biyavish case, uh, if you take jelly beans, certainly when you take any particular jelly bean, you're not taking the other it's or jelly beans with it necessarily. So that's why it's called yavish biyavish. Um, but just to illustrate the point, why it's not strictly, strictly like about wet and dry, let's say just hypothetically you have um, flour. You have chadash flour, flour from the new crop, which is forbidden to be eaten until after the second day of Pesach. And you have yashan, you have old flour from last season, which is permitted now. So if those two flours mix together, so you have a, a tarovas here, um, that would be a, a min bimino mixture because it's flour and flour. But um, according to most, and we should stick to that, we'll understand that that mixture is actually called a, a lach balach mixture because... Um, the flour essentially operates, if you will, as a liquid, and as much as when they're thoroughly blended together, every scoop, every taste, every sample of the flour mix will include both isser and heter, uh, prohibited and and uh, forbidden, excuse me, forbidden and permitted um, flour. So that's like a lach balach mixture, even though it's dry. So don't get bogged down with the literal translation of the words, but in general it means yavish yavish, discrete pieces um, and discrete samples when you pull it out, and lach balach means that Eastern heter is commingled essentially um, in every in every spoon. Okay, so those two dimensions, min bamino or min amino on the one side, and lach balach or yavish bayavish on the other side, uh, means you have essentially four basic types of mixtures. Like make a grid, um, a two by two grid, and you can set it up. So on the one hand, the simple case of a min bamino yavish bayavish mixture. So that's the jelly bean case, right? It's same name. Oh, sorry, I, I got ahead of myself. Let me say one more important thing. There, there is a fascinating discussion in the Gemara about a min bamino mixture. If you have two of the same substance, let's say wine and wine, or flour and flour, and some is iser and some is heter, some is permitted, some forbidden, there is a question of whether there is such a thing as bittel at all if you can actually have annulments of the Isser and the Heter. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, who lahalacha, lahalacha, we do not follow, but it's not so simple, but that's the bottom, bottom line, there's no such thing as bitl in a min-bamino mixture at all, which is remarkable. And just understand why. Um, because when we're saying something is batal, that it's annulled, what we mean is that its presence in the mixture is no longer significant. It's lost in the mix. Lost in the mix. It's lost identity. But 
if you have wine mixing with more wine or flour mixed with more flour, so you could argue that sort of like strength in numbers, that the flour found more of its more flour, and now it's, there's not less flour, so to speak, but more flour. There's no loss. The flour has not disappeared. Or jelly beans with more jelly beans, etc. There's no the, you can't say jelly beans are gone because they're here with they're finding sort of strength in numbers, and that's Rebuhudashita. Remarkably, um, Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish disagree, but Rav and Shmuel actually agree with him, and that means even the Rishonim are split. Uh, although, if there is such a thing as um, bittel at all when it comes to a min bamino mixture, um, which is remarkable. But in any case, we we certainly pass in, in the end that there is um, bittel in min bamino, and that being the case. So, if you have the jelly beans. You have uh, kosher and jelly beans mixed together. Since there's no issue of ta'am, you'll have a case simply of um, a min bamino mixture. Um, it's it's yavash but yavash, meaning the taste not spreading. Each one's discrete. And that being the case, you don't have a ta'am question. You only have the rov question. As long as you have a majority of kosher jelly beans, the mixture is permitted. Minotaur and On the other extreme, you have the possibility of a min mino mixing um, in a lach balach mixture, which means... You have your chicken soup, and in fell that um, the uh, the pork chop, for that matter, um, even because the juices are the lock part. Or if you pull that out, doesn't matter. If you have in your you know your, your not kosher wine spilling in or something, so let leave one out. You have your, your not kosher um, I don't know pig juice splashing in there. So then um, you have a min bisheino mixture, and it's lach balach. So then you have an issue of tam. There's taste. The question is, can you still taste that not kosher pig juice that's floating around in your chicken soup? Um, now, if you can, so then we say that the mixture remains asram and hatorah. Asram and because the ta'am ke'ikr. Now, in practice, how would you ever determine that? How would you ever know? You can't start sampling the chicken soup which had pig juice falling in because it's got pig juice falling in. How could you taste see if it's if it, you can taste it? You might be eating it or Doraisa. So the Torah says, therefore, that you, excuse me, the Gemara says, therefore, the ideal situation would be if you could find a Kfela Armai, a non-Jewish chef, to do the sampling for you. That's the Gemara comes out to determine Tom. Um, Non-Jewish because they don't have the prohibition against eating the Isser. And a chef because you need to have a trained palate. You need to have someone who could actually really discern if you can still detect the taste of the forbidden substance in the permitted substance. Now, in practice, I'm sure you'll realize that it's pretty tricky to find a non-Jewish chef handy to chase chicken soup on Erev Shabbos. Um, and more than that, there's a question even of even if you could, could you trust him to tell you the truth? Maybe since he knows it's you know it's, it's a kosher issue to you, he'll spite you and, and tell you that it's co- he can't taste it, really he could taste it. Um, so it's a question of if you have, it has to be Messiah Lafi Tumo, if he has to be speaking and telling you if he can taste the pork juice, not knowing the halachic consequences for you, etc. Um, so therefore, the Gemara ends up coming out. The Gemara, the Chazal, decided that listen, for normal foods, generic, typical foods, uh, we're not going to be able to taste it necessarily. And if we can't taste it, then we will just rely on the rule that you need shishim. That if you have sixty times, that's the number sixty comes from. Sixty times of heter against the iser, so then um, it's the the mixture becomes permitted because it's it's uh, let's call it halachically safe to assume that 
that um, the taste is no longer there. Now, there's a, another range of opinions in the Rishonim uh, regarding do you have to get a taste tester if you can, um, what happens if you can still taste it after 60 times? What if it's very bland and you couldn't taste it even much less than 60 times, etc.? So for Ashkenazim anyways, and this is just for Ashkenazim, the halach goes like Rabbeinu Tam again, who says that six, once Chazal said 60, they meant it, and that's the rule. And that means that if you could taste it after 60, hypothetically for typical bland foods, that taste is halachically insignificant. Um, and the rule is you need 60, period. Uh, 60 times against. Just how? Just want to make sure it's clear how that's measured. Let's say, for example, you had 59 cups of chicken soup in your pot and uh, one cup of treif soup falls in, so you have a total of 60. That whole pot is for sure forbidden because you don't have 60 times against. 60 times against means you had 60 cups of chicken soup, kosher, and then one cup of not kosher liquid falls in. So you have 60 times of kosher against one time of not kosher, and that means that tarovas, the mixture, remains kosher. Since you're being a tam, and the halacha is the tam ke'ikr, that would mean that if you need 60 times of the kosher against the not kosher, or else the mixture is forbidden mid oraisa, not mid rabbanan. And that's talking about a lach balach mixture. You have a mixture of tastes, min b'shei nomino, when you have um, th- things that have disparate tastes, like chicken soup and... Um, some non-kosher liquid that falls in. Okay, so those are the two extremes. Min bamino, same types, yavash b'yavash, if they're discrete, dry, so then you need simple majority. Min b'she'enomino, two different types of food with different names, mixing together, lach balach, where there's a mixture of tastes, so then you'll need um, 60 times against midor raisa. Okay, that'd be like the pork chop and the chont, etc. Pull out the pork chop. You still need sixty times against the volume of that pork chop because we're concerned that the whole pork chop contained, uh, you know, all the flavor embedded in the pork chop has now um, been released into the chillants um, to the volume of that original pork chop. So again, if, even if you have the pork chop removed, you need sixty times of chillants against the volume of the pork chop that fell in, notwithstanding the fact that it's removed because of tam. The other two extremes of mimbeshe nomino in the yavish yavish. So you have, let's say, you know, that's a strange case. Let's say you have a platter of different kinds of fruits, and it turns out like one of the fruits in the mix is um, not kosher one way or the other. So then you, that's a yavish yavish mixture, but it's min b'she'enomino. And if you have a min b'mino lach balach, so you have um, two of the same types of liquids, you know, whatever, and let's say, you know, kosher apple juice and not kosher apple juice, however that be, let's say from a, from a you know from a shmita tree or something, so then um, that's a lach balach. It's liquids mixing, but it's mimbamino. It's the same type, apple juice and apple juice. So there you'd need sixty times also, um, but both those are midurbanan. So those two, the requirements for sixty times for the mixed fruits, or sixty times, excuse me, or the, or the sixty times required for the mixed apple juices are both um, just midurbanan uh, because. Midoraisa, you have no issue of taste, right? In the case of the fruits, each fruit is discrete; they're not they're not boiled together into a, a compote, let's say. But you, so therefore, you don't need midoraisa. There's no tam issue. But midorabanan, there is a requirement for sixty times because there's a fear that you could certainly um, cook them together. And if you cook them together to make that compote, now you need sixty times uh, midoraisa. Um, as far as the minbamino, 
lach balach, the apple juice plus apple juice, it's liquid. There's not a taste issue because you certainly can't taste the tray of apple juice because what you're tasting is apple juice. Um, but since that could be mixed up easily with another, you know, confused with another type of mixture, midrabban again you need 60 times against. So again, summing up here, big picture. For mixtures, you have two dimensions to consider. Is it a the same type, the same name, that's min bamino or not? And second of all, is it yavash biyavash alach balach? Is there a commingling of the flavors into each and every sample? Um, you will need a simple majority when it's a min bamino yavash biyavash because there's no mixing of tastes. Therefore, you get a simple issue of um, needing rove, majority, and there'd be no issue of taste even if you could boil and cook the two t- types of things together because they have the same taste. And that in the case, simple majority is required even midurabanan. You could eat one of those you know, chicken wings off the plate if it turns out one of the chickens were, were treif or the jelly bean off the plate, etc. On the other side of the extreme, if you have a min bishainam, you know, different taste foods, different name foods that are lach balach, commingled together, you'll need 60 times midoraisa because we hold that Tom Kicker Midoraisa, and 60 is the threshold. The other two types of mixtures, again, Min Bamino Lach Balach, like, for example, two kinds of apple juices, or Min Bish Enomino Yavish Biyavish, discrete mixtures, but they're different types, like a platter of fruits. Those require 60 times Midorabanum. Okay, so that's Tarovus in a nutshell. It took me a whole 25 minutes to say, um, but it was hopefully worth it. That's where things begin. Now, our... Mishnah here will take up where that left off. And it will start talking about now three types of foods where the rabbis upped the requirements from 60 to a higher number. And those types of foods are Truma, Chala, excuse me, Truma, Orla, and Kilai HaKerem. Okay. Truma as you know, from Sechus Trumos, is the gift to the comb, but actually can refer to one of four different types of foods. You can have good old-fashioned Truma Gadol, the first tithe that you give to the Kohen. You could have Trumas Meiser, that is the 10% that comes from the 10% that was given to the Levi, Trumas Meiser. You could also have Chala, our previous Masechta, the dough that's given to the Kohen, the 148th or 124th of the dough that's separated for the Kohen. And you could have Bikurim, your first fruits of the Shivat the seven species that Israel is praised with. Um, one takes some of his first fruits as they ripen to the base of Mikdash to be weighed and then given to a Kohen. Those four things, Truma Gadola, Truma Smeiser, Chala, and Bikurim, are all called Truma in the Torah. They're referred to as Truma. They have the same name, Truma, and they carry the basic same rules. And the rabbis said that 60 times against Truma is insufficient. They want you to have a hundred times against. Now, the base of that is it's purely rabbinic. Um, they do. It's in a there's an asmachta. That is to say, um, they found a, a pasuk on which like it's like a peg to hang this halacha on, um, but it's certainly not a doraisa. And the pasuk that they hang it on. This is important um, for understanding the rest of the this mission here. Um, is a pasuk that's talking about chumas meiser. And it says, You will, um, all your gifts you'll separate a piece out of. This is talking about Trumas Meiser. Um, from the Chelbo, the best part of it, as Mikdasha, the, um, the holy portion, Mimenu, from it. And that Mimenu seems to be sort of superfluous. 
Um, and based on that, they sort of have a smachta, they extended that if you had Truma's Meiser that fell back into the mix, the whole mix becomes forbidden till you pull it out. That's the asmachta based on that word memenu. Meaning, for example, if you have your at your granary and for whatever reason you want to, you know, you're a chavri, you want everything to be perfectly good when you give it out to the various parties. So you're going to separate Truma's Meiser on behalf of the levy to whom you'd be giving Meiser. So what happens is you have your, when you're about to separate your Meiser, you have 100 bushels of corn of wheat over there you'll take 10 bushels off you'll call um one of those those 10 bushels miser and then although it's the responsibility of the lady if you do it for him you'd say one of those 10 would be trumas miser so it's a tenth of a tenth or one hundredth now if for argument's sake you lost track of where that trumas miser bushel was so now you have somewhere you have 99 bushels of permitted substance Yes, nine of which are, are Meister Rishon, Levi's gift, but that you could eat. It's not Isser. And so you have 99 of Hetzer and one bushel of Isser. It certainly is a Yavish, but you have a Shemin Bamino mixture. Um, but put that aside for a moment. Um, you've you've lost the identity of that one bushel. So if you would say that 60 times is sufficient, so then it would not be a problem. And that being the case, Trumas Meister sort of all, all of a sudden would never become a problem. Because you could always just say, wherever the Trumas Meister is, who cares? It's a bottle and Shishim. So the rabbi said, no way. They said, if, you're, if your Trumas Meister gets mixed back in, the whole mixture becomes forbidden. So don't let it happen. Which means that you'll need to have more than 99 times of heter against one part of Truma for the mixture to become permitted. So the way that the mission always refers to that is you need 100 times of heter against one iser. 100 times of the permitted food against the one unit of truma, because that truma's meiser. It's starting on truma's meiser, but it will apply to all trumas, meaning truma gadola also needs 100 times, as does chala, as does bikurim. Um, as a side point, but an important point, it's actually a machlokus back in trumas if you need um, just more than 99 times, that's Rabbi Yehoshua's shita, or you need a full 100 times against the one. Remember, even 99 and a bit would not be present in your typical Trumas Meister situation, which got remixed in. Um, the halacha is actually like Rabbi Yehoshua, meaning you only need 99 times in a bit against one, meaning a whole mixture of 100 in a bit, including one unit of, of Trumas Meister, would be permitted. Um, less than that would be called Meduma. It's a forbidden mixture of Truma. Um, but the, even though the halacha is like Rabbi Yehoshua, the, the Mishnahis are always um, phrased like Rabbi Eliezer Shita, they need a full 100 times of Hetzer against the one unit of Truma, so it'll refer to it as like 101 in the mixture in total. Okay, so that's Truma, which again applies to those four kinds of Truma. Then you have Orla and Kilai HaKerem. Now, now we're in Durabanan territory, but there is a connection um, between Kilai HaKerem and Truma. There's a Pasuk that connects the two of of those things, um, like a Gezer Shava. And, and that being the case, we we um, will learn that the rabbis will learn with that this we're going to set up the standards of of a kilai hakerem to be um, certainly no less than those of of truma, um, but a hundred times won't even be enough for kilai hakerem because kilai hakerem, like orla, is not just forbidden to be eaten. Um, but Kilaya Karim and Orla are forbidden, 
they're asr bahana. You're forbidden to get any benefit at all from them. And that being the case, the rabbi said, since the, this is the Yerushalmi, says basically since the Torah, so to speak, doubled the isr, it said don't just eat it, but also don't get benefit from it. So the rabbis doubled the ratio, not just 100 times, but 200 times against. So when it comes to orla and kilaya kerem, the mixture will be forbidden if it contains anything less than 200 times heter against one unit of kilaya kerem uh, or one unit of orla. Just reminding you what kilaya kerem is. Kilaya kerem is uh, if you have a vineyard growing, or even sure there's even one grapevine, um, and beneath the in the vineyard you have either grains like wheat and barley, or you have greens like you know vegetables growing in that vineyard as a mixed species. So then you've violated uh, the Kilaya Karam rule and those vines in the vineyard, as well as, let's say, the, the wheat and barley growing in the vineyard, all has to be destroyed. Asr Bahana has to be burned. Pentiktosh. So, that being the case, um, if you have, now, if you have Orla or Kilaya Karam, it's Asr Bahana, and if you have it fall into a mixture, you need 200 times against. Okay, so with that, now the Mishnah begins, quite an introduction, I'm sorry, but that's how it goes here, Baruch Hashem, uh, the mission begins by saying, Hatruma, when it comes to Truma, Utrumas Meiser, the gears we have is Trumas Meiser Shel Domai, um, which means Trumas Meiser that came from Domai, that's, I'll call it Suffolk. Um, Trumas Meiser, there are yourselves that have it, Trumas Meiser proper. Um, There's a discussion here, but put, putting that, I just want to put that issue aside. Um, if it's just Trumas Meiser Shel Domai, it's one shot will be, sort of speaking, and Kolshik and regular Trumas Meiser, which is Valdai, certain Trumas Meiser. And hachala, and chala dough, and habikurim, the first fruits, all of those are categorized as truma by the Torah, and therefore we'll have three halachas that apply to those four types of, of uh, truma. The first halacha is that olim, that it becomes batal, meaning it becomes the mixture that contains these forbidden foods, becomes permitted, be'echad umea, in 101, which means you need to have a mixture that contains 101 units, one unit of the forbidden truma, meaning Truma Gadola, Truma Smeiser, Truma Smeiser, even of Daman, which is like perhaps the Rabbanan, Chala, or Bikurim, that one unit has to be mixed up with 100 units of Heter for the whole mixture of 101 to be permitted to a non-Kohen. Anything less than that would be a Maduma mixture, which means only a Kohen could eat the entire mixture. You have to give it to the Kohen. You could sell it to the Kohen, perhaps, for the value of, of what isn't his, but fine, it's Usser for a, for a Zar from a non-Kohen. That's the first rule, 101, Chiddush. Second rule is they combine, which means that if you have some truma gadol and some trumas meiser or some some bikurim and some chala, let's say, getting mixed together, so they combine. You need to have 100 times against the combined amount of truma, even if it um, comprises two different you know, types of, of truma. Mitzdarf and they combine. And third of all, once you have such a mixture, you have your 100 units of heter, and one unit of truma falls in, and we say that the mixture now is permitted, but a special rule when it comes to truma mixtures is you'll still need to pull out one unit, the amount that fell in, and give that to a Kohen. You have to pull one unit out. That's laharim to lift it up and separate it, like, like the word truma actually, connected. Um, and the reason why is because when it comes to truma specifically, 
you have still a financial obligation to the Kohen. It's his food that's, that's falling in. You have to pay it back to him, if you will. Um, or, or if you haven't given it to any Kohen, it's still Momon Hoshevet that belongs to the Kohanim collectively, and you have to give it to one Kohen. You owe the Kohen the one bushel of wheat that got mixed in, so you'll have to pull it out okay, and give it to him. That's unique to Truma. The mission now continues on to talk about Orlin Kilai HaKerem. So we'll have three sheets this year. The Tanakhama is going to hold that Orlin Kilai HaKerem, first of all, Olim Be'echeru Matayim, everyone agrees this part, that you need to have you need to have 201 units total, meaning one unit of Orla, or one unit of, of the Kilai HaKerem, that gets mixed in with 200 units of Heter for this whole thing um, to be a problem. Uh, second of all, they say, fairly remarkably, they're going to combine, which means if you had half a unit of Orla and half a unit of, of Kilai Kerem, which total one unit, and they fall into a mixture, let's say, of 100 of Chulin, you'll say the whole mixture is forbidden because you don't have 200 times against, even though you do have 200 times against the the uh, Orla component, because 100 is 200 times more than a half. And you do have 200 times more than the Kilai HaKerem component. But they are Mitzdaref, they combine, and since you don't have 200 times against the combined Isser, the whole mixture becomes forbidden. The reason for that is, even though um, they don't necessarily have the first the same name, one is Orla, one category of Isser, and one is uh a different category of Isser, if they fall in at the same time, so since the Torah refers to, according to this Tana, according to Rabbi Meir, this, the Tanakhama here, since the Torah refers to f- forbidden foods in in general, as it's saying, lo tochal you shouldn't eat any disgusting food, meaning like forbidden, halachli forbidden food, the Torah calls it all to'eva, and disgusting by the same name, and therefore we'll treat them as together, as, the, as to be mitzaref to combine if they fall in all at once. Says the Tanakama, and third of the ain sarich laharim. There's no requirement, says the Tanakama, to remove if you do have two hundred times against. So the whole mixture of two hundred one can all be eaten. No need to take anything out because you don't owe any of that orla or kilai kerem to anybody in particular. Okay, now the case here that we just said is applying. This is this is important to keep in mind across the board here. When it came, the whole basis of these unique extra requirements of 60 not being enough started out with Truma, because of Truma's Meiser falling back in and getting mixed up, we raised it to 100 times. Now, and we had a, a smachta, we, the, the Rabban based the halacha based on that verse, the memenu, the removing, has to be removed from the mix entirely if, if it fell back in. Since Truma's Meiser falling back into its mix could be um, even one part to 99, so we say you need more than that, you need one part to more than 99 for a mixture to be permitted. But, Truma falling into getting remixed up back in with the original, if it's bushels of wheat, so to speak, that will always be a min bamino mixture. We're talking about you separated the Truma's Meister and then it got mixed up with the stuff that it was being separated from. Let's say it was wine or oil or wheat, it doesn't matter, but it's being mixed up back in with the same thing. And that being the case, the rule will be that when we talk about needing 100 or 200 times when it comes to truma, 100 times, or since we learned um, this Gazer Shava of um, Malaya, Malaya, it's called from the word Malaya, applies to both uh, Kilai HaKerem being Asr and, and uh, 
Truma's Meister being Aser, so any 200 times against for Kilai Kerem, um, it'll only apply to Min Bemino mixtures. The rabbis never said you needed 200 or 100 times for Min Bishen Amino. That's not resemblance of the Truma's Meister falling back in. And those scenarios, essentially, you just need 60. Okay, you need, you need Tom. You need as long as you can't taste um, the uh, the forbidden Truma or Orla or Kilai Kerem. Okay, but now this Tana held that if the two, the combination of Orla and Kilai Kerem fall in, you'll need 200 times against the combined amount, Umit Starfim. To that, and he based on the fact that the Torah calls forbidden foods in general Toeva, and you'll call it all like he looks at it as, so to speak, um, of the same type, meaning Isser is Isser, it's all Toeva, it's all halakhically disgusting, and that applies equally to Orla as it does to. Uh, Kilai HaKerem. Rabbi Shimon disagrees. Rabbi Shimon says, no, Orla and Kilai HaKerem are two different things. They're two different names. There's no reason in the world why they should combine. And that being the case, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Anon Mitzdarfin. They don't combine, which means if you have one cup of grape juice and half the cup is... Let me take this again. You have one pint Pints is two cups for the record. You have one pint of grape juice. Half of the pint is Orla, and half of the pint is Kilaiha Karim. And it falls into a hundred pints of kosher grape juice. So um, that's the equivalent of saying one cup of Orla and one cup of Kilaiha Karim combined, falling into 200 cups of grape juice. And that being the case, says Rabbi Shimon, since they're not mitzdaref, they don't combine, you have one cup of orla against 200 cups of chulin, which makes it permitted, and you have one cup of kilaya kerem against 200 cups of chulin, which makes it permitted, and therefore, Rabbi Shimon holds in that scenario where you have one pint, half of which is orla, and half of which is kilaya kerem, falling into a uh, hundred pints of chulin, the mixture is permitted because they're not mitzdaref, they don't combine. He rejects the Tanakama's approach that they're both toev and do combine. That's Rabbi Shimon's approach. The third opinion is Rabbi Eliezer. Now he differentiates, um, he in principle agrees with Rabbi Shimon, saying that they're not mitzdaref and they wouldn't combine, um, meaning in a Min bamino mixture, when you have a mixture, um, you need 200 times against each one independently. You don't combine the two, says Rabbi Ezer, just like Rabbi Shimon. However, there's a separate issue. That's the issue of Tom. Outside of the quantity required, there's a separate issue of taste. So in a min bisheino mixture, in a mixture where you have, let's say, for example, um, a combination of oral and kilai kerem grape juice falling into the cholent. So that's min bisheino mino. We don't need the 200 times here because, again, you recall, it was built on the Truma precedent, which you need 100 times only in Min Bamino, so so too by Orla and Kilai Karim. You only need 200 times in the case of Min Bamino when you have grape juice falling back into grape juice. But if you have grape juice falling into Chalant, so there, besides the issue of the two different kinds of Isser, Orla and Kilai Karim combining um, for the requisite amounts, which would now be, remember, um, different in the case of Mimbish and Amino. You only need 60 times against because you're looking for taste. So he says, listen, if you have grape juice, even if half the grape juice is 
orla, and half the grape juice is kilo hakerim. If that grape juice is falling into the cholent, then the taste of grape juice is certainly combined. And if you have 60, less than 60 times cholent against the grape juice, you will taste the grape juice. All the grape juice is iser, and it's a tom of iser. And that in the case, says Rabbi Eliezer, the mixture, meaning the cholent, it's a minbish enomino. You don't need 200 times, but you certainly need to have um, no remnant of taste of iser. And since the taste is the same, when it comes to oral and kilai karam, if they are, so they would be mitzteref, they would combine um, in terms of taste, not in terms of quantity. So therefore, again, Rabbi Eliezer agrees to Rabbi Shimon that they don't combine under normal circumstances, but Rabbi Shimon would say even when it comes to tam, they don't combine. I mean, Rabbi Shimon would say that if you have, um, even if you can taste the grape juice, since you're only tasting, you're not tasting a taste of orla or a taste of if both are less than 60, they don't combine. Rabbi Eliezer says they do combine as far as taste is concerned. And that's what he says here. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, mitzdarfen benosen tam, when it comes to the contribution of taste to the mixture, that you can taste the iser as a combination of kilahi karam and orla, it is a problem. They do combine. Avalola esor, but they don't combine in the more generic requirements of 200 times um, in a min mixture. Each one could be considered separately. Uh, and if you have 200 against of chulin against the orla components, it's mutter as long as you have 200 times also against the kilai karam component. The halacha is going to follow the tanakama, which would mean la halacha. We say that orla and kilai karam are mitzaref. They do combine um, if they fall in all at once. So if you have the case that before, the cup, half the cup of orla and half of that falls into the mixture of other wine, you'd need to have a total of 200 units of heter wine against that one cup that combines together um, of orla and kilai karam. That's the lachalamaisa, but in Mishnah base, we will see that it only applies if it falls in all at once.